All right, we are here. This is the Radjunk podcast, and I am Joe Alonzo, the owner of Radjunk, the owner of Rad Bar, and the owner of Really Rad Weekend. Uh, this is our weekly podcast that I am the host of, where I talk about random video game things that happen throughout the week uh, at either the shop, the bar, or the convention, which the convention hasn't happened yet. However, I did go to a convention this past week. We went to Retropalooza in Dallas, so we're going to talk about that today. Um, first off, how is everybody? I hope you're all doing well. I am extremely exhausted. Today was long. Uh, we woke up and took my son to the trampoline park. They have like a toddler time uh, where it's toddlers only. And so uh, that's every Friday. We took him today, and it was a good time. Then we went over to my buddy's restaurant the local market here in Destin. Um, cause I really wanted to play his big Lebowski pinball game, which was having some issues, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, they have fantastic food. Um, we like to go there for lunch and, uh, I really wanted to play that, but he's got a lineup of like 10 or 12 games at any given time. And I texted him beforehand and saw him when I got there. I was like, Hey, I want to play this. And he hooked it up. We got to playing, and one of the flippers was out. So me being me and having my tool bag on hand, I fixed his pinball machine, and he was eternally grateful. He provided me with uh, some quarters to play, and uh, it was a good time. That machine is awesome, by the way. I love it. I am considering purchasing one at some point after prices kind of normalize because pinball prices are high right now. Uh, but we fixed that. Then we had to go to Best Buy to purchase some PS5 consoles because we are running a Mortal Kombat 1 tournament on Sunday at the bar. Mortal Kombat 1 meaning the newest iteration of Mortal Kombat that came out this past week. Um, it's on PS5. It's on current gen hardware. So until now, all of our tournaments have been run on previous gen hardware because no game has really needed to be run on the current gen, meaning PS5 and Xbox Series X. So went to Best Buy, picked up a couple PS5s, which, oddly enough, Best Buy still has a purchase limit on their PlayStation 5s, where you can only get one per transaction, as if people are still scalping them, even though they are incredibly available in a multitude of places. I've seen Walmart with like tons of them. Uh, Best Buy today had eight of them, I believe he said in the back. So grabbed a couple of those, got over that little hurdle of the transaction limit. And then, uh, they were sold out of the game because of course they were. It's really funny. We'll recap that in a second. However, they were sold out of Mortal Kombat. So we went over to GameStop, the GameStop I've been going to since I was in high school. And uh, they had two copies left on the PlayStation 5. So I snagged those. And uh, I was talking to the guy that worked there. Super nice. He's the manager. Um, he's got a Twitch stream as well that I don't have the name of in front of me, but I'll post it somewhere at some point. Um, but he was telling me that they're also sold out, which is interesting to me because everybody that participates in our FGC stuff and our fighting game tournaments... They always trash on Mortal Kombat. 
even though we're like super open to playing any fighting game or any game really uh, that has a competitive scene because we just like games. But it's interesting to me that a game like Mortal Kombat, where they produced and sent out tons of copies, is selling out in games that are like considered very uh, precious to the fighting game community like Smash and Street Fighter Six don't sell out. So Mortal Kombat's selling out and those games aren't? And you're telling me that it's too casual and there's no scene? I think um I think maybe Mortal Kombat's a little more popular than all of you think. So yeah, we're gonna run that on Sunday at the bar. Um after that we ran over to Rad Junk to take care of a couple things. Um Hey, Rich in the chat, the 24, um, we're live recording, so I'm not going to pay too much attention to the Twitch chat, and this is going to be more so for the uh, recorded podcast after the fact. However, went to Rad Junk, uh, took care of some things, a guy came in last minute uh, as we were leaving, and he traded in a bunch of old PC games, and then he's like, hey, I've got some collectibles in the car if you guys would be interested. And, you know, curiosity got the best of me. He brings them in and he's got these McFarlane, like the people that make spawn toys, um, Ultima online and Onimusha two figures still on the card, which was really cool. Um, I might end up hanging on to those cause I like both of those series. And so that was a neat little thing that happened at the shop today that I didn't know existed. Then after that, um, <laughs> this is this is how long my day was. We go to the bar because Jess needed help with uh, some pinball stuff that was still giving her some issues. She did everything she could, but a flipper on Monster Bash still wasn't working. And come to find out, it was the same issue that I fixed on the Big Lebowski machine at local market earlier in the day. And uh, so I ended up replacing the flipper armature on that as well as the spring and the coil sleeve and blah, blah, blah. Um, took me about an hour because I busted a wire off of a leaf switch and had to solder it back on while customers were coming in. Uh, it was kind of wild. But we got all that working, and finally I'm home, and I'm recording the podcast. Also, I want to apologize for the delay in episodes, um, and we're going to jump right into why. So this past week we were at Retropalooza, and it kind of threw off my recording schedule because we left we started packing the store on thursday and we left thursday night so friday morning at 3 a.m and it was uh incredibly tough i had planned on recording a bunch of stuff while we were there which i did not um i just got too busy and things were wild and i didn't even think to turn on the camera um I did purchase some new mics a couple weeks ago, though, that are, it's a wireless system, and I was thinking, like, maybe I could record the podcast in the truck, or this or that, and I just, we were too busy, overall. Um, So, Thursday, we packed up the store, we basically took everything out of our display cases, we didn't take the entire store like we've done in the past, um, because we just have too much stuff. We took everything out of our display cases, um, and some choice items, because Retropalooza is what I consider our Super Bowl of conventions. And we have to bring our A game, and it's always a good time because we're good friends with the organizers and the people putting it on, as well as a lot of the attendees, guests, and, you know, 
people that are on staff. So we want to bring the best mishmash of things that we can. And that doesn't always mean like bringing your most high dollar games. Sometimes it means bringing those obscure, hard to find things that have been sitting on your shelves for a little bit. And you want to move them in a place where people are looking for games. So we packed up the Nintendo case, the Sega case and the PlayStation case. Um, we brought some like random, like special editions and accessories, but then we also brought several bins of like blowout games, um, stuff that is normally priced at like $10 that we could sell at like five that wouldn't hurt us too bad on the margin stuff, but things that we could afford to let go and give some people some deals while they're on the show floor. Um, so we did that. I cooked dinner for, uh, my family plus Allie and Molly who are pretty much like my family. Um, so we could have some food before we hit the road. The girls crashed here. We loaded up the truck and then, uh, we hit the road at like, I don't know. It was like two forty-five, three three o'clock in the morning. And, uh, we went straight to Dallas. It was, uh, <laughs> it was one of those drives where the GPS kind of took us on this crazy route through these back roads and, Definitely felt lost, even though we weren't. Um, But we were on a time limit. So normally, I can kind of leisurely get to Texas. um, Because once again, the organizers are super cool. Shout out to Jay. He puts on a great show, and he always helps me out. And uh, his whole staff is fantastic. But normally, I can roll up and just be like, all right, here we go. I'm going to set this up. Maybe I'll set up Saturday morning. Let's go drink some beers. Um, however, we were hosting the pre-party, which happened at 6 p.m. Friday evening. So we roll into Texas, which we almost got into a car accident, uh, five minutes from the convention center because Texas roads are crazy. And then, uh, we unloaded really quickly. We flew in Dave from Tampa. Uh, our friend Ryan drove in from Florida, picked Dave up from the airport. They met us at the convention center to help us set up which was really cool. And then we, so the way the convention center set up, we were in what they call the esports arena. Cause I guess they host professional esports stuff, professional. I don't know. Um, apparently the whole place is being turned into an art gallery next year. So we set up there and then it, attached to it is a Sheridan hotel and they have a lot of conference rooms and things like that. So We had to cart some stuff over to the Sheraton to host trade night, which was happening on the second floor. It was really cool. We ordered pizza and grabbed some drinks and, you know, adult beverages for the adults like we do here in Florida at Rad Junk every month. And um, we didn't really know what to expect. However, (laughs) five minutes later, the place started to fill up. People rotated tables in and out as they would leave. Um, there was lots of good trading going on. Sega Steve was there, who's a treasure trove of knowledge on Sega in general. Um, my buddy Mike Retrobash was there. Billy from the Game Chasers and Abit Eric showed up, hung out, drank some beers. Uh, Ryan was set up here from Florida, so was Dave. And it was just a good vibe, like all around. Pizza went, like, I ordered 10 pizzas, and those Texas guys destroyed that stuff in like 10 minutes. So I don't think they're used to getting free food there in Texas, but, um, you know, it's a perk we offer and it went really quick, but overall trade night was great. It was, 
it went way better than we expected it to being the first year that it's been done at Retropalooza. Um, this is also the 10th year of ex- of Retropalooza as well. So that was really cool that we could host an event on their, you know, 10th year. Uh, that was so special for them. And, uh, then after that, you know, we packed up, we unloaded and whatnot. Um, drank some more beers, you know, hung out with the guys, went back to the hotel room. We ordered Torchy's tacos, which we don't have here. I think there's one in Tampa, but we bought like $200 worth of Torchy's and we sat in our room because we were so, so like destroyed. Oh, that's what I keep forgetting. So not only did we fly Dave in, Sam couldn't ride with us in the truck because we were waiting on a babysitter for my son. So she also flew in and then Ubered to uh, the convention and she got there in time for trade night, which thank God, because she's our savior. She's the one that really runs the show for all of us. And uh, it was great that she was able to be there because the past few conventions I've had to do without her. And uh, it's, it's tough. It's hard because she kind of keeps me in check. So the whole crew was there. It was like a Florida reunion because uh, if you go way back to Retropalooza 2 or 3, we all went, we being uh, myself, Sam, Dave, his brother, our friend Chris Leavenworth, and a couple other people went to Texas for that one. And we were just like, we're just going to go. Uh, So it was almost like a reunion of that. So, you know, swapping a couple people like Ryan and – Everybody was there. Um, also got to see my friend Billy Mack and Kingsley and just that whole Texas crew is super cool because it's very much a parallel of our own scene, but in Texas, which to me is like the best part of the whole thing. So trade night went off great. Uh, Torchies was cool. We were tired. Then Jay shows up at my hotel room door forcing Dave and I to go to the hotel room next door, which was our buddy Greg's and Greg and AC. And it was getting wild in there. There may or may not have been some, uh, wrestling that was not clothed amongst, uh, two individuals who will go unnamed. (laughs) That was the thing. And that was also the point where I'm like, all right, we got to go to bed. Uh, we have to get up early. We've got to throw this booth together and get going. So then Saturday rolls around and I'm running around trying to do deals preemptively with some people and just saying hi to my friends and seeing if Jay needs any help setting up, um, with his arcade stuff or anything like that. And Sam calls me over. Let's see. Oh, so I was doing a deal with my friend, uh, Richard who had some games that I wanted and I was buying a copy of Caldelka. Caldelka? I don't know how you say it. Caldelka? Uh, for Kenna, our graphic designer, because she's been after that game. And I got that for her as a gift because I've been promising her one for years now. And Sam's calling me over and I'm like, what is going on? Like, why is this so urgent? I go over and um, there's a woman there with a wagon, like this foldable, like, beach wagon that we use for here to like take things to the beach and it's loaded with games i'm talking like top tier nes she's like i've got a samson and i've got a dino peak and i've got this and that and it was insanity like it was the most stacked thing of high-end games uh there are and come to find out 
They're her friends' games, and they are they are his doubles and triples of games. And everything in here was mint. So the things that he must have at home or must be in incredibly insane. So uh, immediately I start trying to work a deal on a Samson just because I wanted to get one in the shop. Uh, I had a Crusader of Sinti up for trade plus some cash, and we just weren't uh, vibing on that level because, uh, to be honest, the condition of my Crusader of Sinti wasn't the best. So... Uh, we talked about it, and she's like, come see me at my chocolate booth later, and maybe we can work out a deal. So come to find out, she was making uh, like handmade chocolates. So these are uh, white chocolate cake bites, and um, the website is deliciousdoom.com. And I will say, this candy is phenomenal. We bought some other chocolate from her. That was great. And uh, I'll get back to that trade in a minute. But the trade did not work out at the time, which is fine. Which, you know, I just, when we're trading, we just want everybody to be happy. So that was cool. Um, we did some good deals throughout the day. I bought some stuff from my friend Mike, Retrobash, um, Steve, and I can't remember his store name. He owns some stores in Texas. Um, an older gentleman that I've done some deals with before. Uh, he had some really cool stuff. I got a Mylon Secret Castle on Game Boy from him, which is really cool. However, the entire basis of purchasing at Retropalooza is for us is typically I want to bring home one or two cool pieces for me or a couple cool pieces for the shop that are like higher end, but the rest is primarily shop stock um, because this is the place to load up on like Zeldas and things like that. So I was snagging Zeldas at certain thresholds and things that we can sell quickly at Christmas time, um, just games we always need. So... Throughout the day, everything was good. Uh, We brought the CD resurfacer and a soldering station because one thing at Retropalooza that I feel like everybody could always use that can make or break some deals is if somebody picks up a game and they're like, man, I don't want to spend $40 on this because the condition just isn't there on this disc. They can bring it to us. Give us three bucks. I'll buff the disc. It's good to go. Everybody wins. That went really well. Um... Let's see, what else? Our buddy Rick, Retro Rick, was running around in a Willy Wonka costume, giving away golden tickets to win prizes, which is absurd, um, but it seems like something he would do. He just needs Aaron and Ricky following him around as Oompa Loompas, which I think would be phenomenal. So, <laughs> let's see. What else, What other deals did I do? There were a lot of vendors there. It was really good. Um, lots of high-end games. You start to notice the things on the market that are hot right now. There were a lot of people buying GameCube, which I feel like that trend's been going on for the past two years. However, I felt like I had more people trying to buy GameCube to resale resell in their stores than I did people trying to collect GameCube. So that's almost like a fault line in the collector market. And it's starting to show that maybe the collectors are saturated with it. And we might see a decline in GameCube purchasing. Um, a couple of things that I saw people after oddly were CIB NES which I didn't think I'd see that this show. Um, 
Lots of people, though, were like, do you have more boxed NES games? Do you have this box or that box? So that was kind of neat. Um, lots of PlayStation 1, lots of handheld collectors. I think also one of the things that was surprising is we've seen an uptick in Wii collecting um, at the store. However, at the convention level, I don't think it was quite there yet outside of some choice titles. Um, surprising number of people asking for turbo graphics, which made me happy because I love turbo graphics. And, uh, it's one of those things where what you see at a convention being sought after kind of dictates typically where the market is going because you start to get inklings of like, okay, GameCube's on the decline. Wii's on the uptick. And at some point, the tides are going to change, and there's going to be like a new wave in collecting. So it's interesting to see a lot of that. Like I said, there are a lot of high-end games. Um, It's nowhere near what it used to be. You used to see like 10 copies of Samson. I think I saw three of them this weekend. Um, What else? I'm trying to think of some more good trades or deals that we did. Um, I purchased another (laughs) Exertainment bike. So it's this attachment that goes on the bottom of the SNES. And I've got three of them now. So I've got one bike, one of the actual, it's like over here behind me somewhere. You're not going to be able to see it on the camera. Um, exercise bikes that connects to the Super Nintendo. And it connects by a, a box that the Super Nintendo sits on top of. And then a phone line runs from the bike to the box. And I've had one of the boxes for a really long time. A friend of mine gave it to me. I picked up the bike a few months ago and then my friend Kingsley had an extra box that I ended up trading him some stuff for and then PayPaling him the rest of the money. And he actually shipped it to me because he didn't have it with him and it got here yesterday, which is cool. Um, I have a whole pickups video that is filmed. I just have to edit it and upload it. And I just, I legitimately have not had time to do anything. Um, I saw my buddy Mark was there. Uh, he had a great import selection, and we did some trades for not only some boxed NES games, but also some vinyl records, which was cool. Um, what else? We sold a lot of plushies, which was neat. That was good time. Um, I'm saying um a lot because I'm having a hard time remembering. My brain is fried from this convention. It was a uh, it was a tough weekend. I won't lie. So throughout the day. Or before we went, I like to. I wanted to take the girls to do something that wasn't just video games. Because for us, this is also like semi vacation ish. Because it's like, okay, we're going to get out of Florida. We're not in the shop. We're still working. But we need to do something that's like cool. So I bought us all tickets to Meow Wolf in Grapevine. Which, if you're not familiar with Meow Wolf, it's sort of like an art collective. And in different cities, they set up these different installations that are kind of like, um, for lack of a better term, trippy, weird, story-driven experiences that have art based around them. So the one in Vegas, you're in a grocery store, and then you open a freezer, and you walk through the freezer, and you're in this giant cavern, and there's this whole thing. Um, But they recently opened one in Grapevine, Texas. And it was about 20 minutes away from where we were. So bought us all tickets to that. 
So the girls and I, Dave, Ryan, and his girlfriend, we all went, and uh, it was cool. It was super cool. It was much smaller than the one in Vegas, and it was very busy because there were a lot of people. It was a Saturday night. However, it was so cool. It was like this particular one. It's called The Really Unreal, and it's got a storyline about a missing child, and you're in this house, and then you go through these gardens and all this stuff, and uh, it was a, it was phenomenal. And I can't stress enough that if you're in a city or a town that is near a Meow Wolf's like installation, you've got to check it out. It's a little pricey, but one thousand percent worth it. So there's one in Grapevine now. Um, the staff informed us that they're opening one in Houston next year, which is cool. There's one in Vegas, one in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then one in um, Colorado in Denver. And they're all different storylines, but it looks like based on this one, they might sort of interconnect now. But that was cool. But nobody knew, nobody at Retropalooza knew what we were talking about. They're like, why are you going to an art gallery? That sounds stupid. And I'm like, this is not just like some art gallery. We're not going to walk around and like, you know, be snobby and like, mm, impressionism. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it's interactive and it's neat. And there's like an RPG element to everything that occurs in Meow Wolf. And uh, there's lots of hidden things. So we spent six hours at the one in Vegas. I think we did three or four hours at this one. And like, if we had been there by ourselves, we would have stayed all day just to uncover every little secret and whatnot, just because it goes that in depth. So after Meow Wolf, we're going to continue with some like food stuff. We went to a place called the Velvet Taco. I know the name is horrendous and amazing all at the same time. Um, this was not a franchise that I'm aware of, but it was more of like a hipster taco joint where uh, they had booze and they had crazy tacos. So like I got a Kobe beef smash burger taco and a Cuban pork taco and um, that red velvet cake. They had a uh, a red curry queso that was incredible. So we went there. Uh, we ate. Everything was top-notch. Um, and then there was an after-party at an arcade bar for Retropalooza. I believe the after-party location was called Black Dog Arcade. And so I texted Jay and he said they were still there. So we shot over there and uh, we checked that out. Cool selection of games. Um, they had a Killer Queen, which is always neat. They had a Sound Voltex. They had a Cuphead cabinet, which is cool. I mean, it's a kit, but it's cool. Um, and a few other things. However, they were closing by the time we got there. So we packed up and went to another arcade bar called Free Play. Now, I've heard of Free Play. What I didn't realize about free play is that they have four locations, I believe, in Texas. And so we go in, and it's us and the Texas guys. And when you walk in, it's kind of like Rad Bar. We'll shoot from the hip and say like 2,000-ish square feet when you walk in the door. It was 1298 all you can play, which is odd. Um, maybe we're the odd ones because we just charged 10 bucks to play all you want but it was free play. They wristband you. Um, we go in rooms about 2000 square feet. They have a bar in the center. 
Um, full bar, so they've got liquor as well. Good beer selection. I drank a Half-Life themed beer. Um, I don't know if it's directly related or if it's more like the science term Half-Life. Um, it was pretty good. Hung out with 8-Bit Eric and Billy and all those guys. And then we're like looking around and like they had a great selection of arcades. They had some candy cabs that were the Versus style, like back to back, which we'll get to that in a minute. Um, they had the, what is it called? Not the grid wars aid. It's like a, it's like the grid where it's a joystick and like a WASD configuration or a trackball to like look and move and they're interconnected, which was neat. And then somebody, I think it was Pete goes, yeah, have you been to the other side yet? And I'm like, wait, what do you mean the other side? There's like 50 games in here. This is sick. He's like, no, the pinball's over there. So we walk through this other like doorway and there's like another hundred games. It was wild. They had like 30 or 40 pinball machines. Um, some games I had never even seen. They had a crazy Sega arcade cabinet. That was like a mega drive cabinet. So imagine a play choice 10 from Nintendo with a selection of games, but it was all Sega. Um, they had my favorite pinball, which is medieval madness. They had a Jersey Jack Pirates of the Caribbean, which is an insanely expensive pinball machine now. They had a Tron LE. I mean, the list goes on. They had some rhythm games. Um, pretty much anything you could want, they had. I cannot believe they had a Jersey Jack Pirates on the floor, though, for free play. It had some issues, but like it was there. And people are asking upwards of like twenty grand for that machine right now. So that's wild. Um, they also had a Killer Queen set up, which was cool. Um, at one point... The girls wanted to play Killer Queen to show off their skills, and they tried to 4v1 an employee of the bar, and he destroyed them. Disgustingly. Like, it was... They stood no chance. And it was wild. Um, That guy was incredibly good at Killer Queen. I played a lot of Tron LE, because I don't get to play it often, and I love that game. Um, played a lot of medieval madness, which I did some of the best. It was an original medieval madness too. It was the Bally machine, not the Chicago gaming remake, which was neat. We played another game where it was like four people. So two V two V two, um, kind of in this like retro style cab that was like angular and, um, very like modern looking like 1950s idea of modern and the game played like capture the flag meets asteroids so on each side of the cabinet you have two players once again 2v2 but you have like a thrust button and a shoot button and a shield so you have to like burst yourself around to either capture the flags or destroy the opponents um it was super cool i need to i'm gonna try and track that down and purchase one i'm not gonna lie for the bar or the next venture um which would be awesome. So then, let's see. What do we do after that? I'm trying to think. Because I feel like we got some food. Or maybe we just went back to the hotel. <laughs> I don't remember what we did Saturday night after free play. I think we just went back to the hotel and slept. Yeah. So, we went no, I remember. Um, went back to the hotel room, 
and I think the guys had a couple more beers maybe. Um, and we debated just random stuff, you know, normal things that happen in a hotel room at like 3 a.m. Um, yeah, Ryan's in the chat and he said free play was pretty beast. That place was wild. It was like rad bar on steroids. Um, I like to think that we keep a pretty good mix of games, but that place is nuts. And in speaking with the bartender, the guy that started it, he was just an arcade collector. And all those games, I mean, I'm sure now some are purchased specifically for the his bars, but you know, he's got four locations loaded with games and it's wild. Um Yeah, they do have a more densely populated area, so it is easier. But I mean their selection was super cool. Um that's the thing I forgot to touch on. So, you know, can't go to Texas without getting a little competitive with uh fellow convention owner, so Jay and I really like fighting games. He's godlike at Tekken. I'm pretty decent at Street Fighter. So the night before, I think, (laughs) there was some debate about who was a good Street Fighter player. And they had Third Strike on a candy cab, a versus cabinet. And we said best three out of five, I think, play for a beer, 20 bucks. Wait, I didn't get my $20. Um, so we played, we had a little audience around us and, uh, he got, he got a round in, but that was it. There were no more after that. Um, so this year at really rad weekend, since we played Tekken last year, we're going to do another charity match where the loser pays $500 to the charity of the winner's choice. And this year we're playing street fighter six. And I am super stoked. Um, last year, I got destroyed. Uh, not to you know make excuses, but partially I was exhausted. We did the last event on Sunday, which Sam says we have to do that again this year, which I don't see how that's fair because Jay's just hanging out and I'm working. Um, but I'm down. It's all for a good cause. Um, the stream on Twitch helps raise money too, which we donate as well. We split it between the charities and then, you know, Whoever loses pays out the winner's charity, um, which is awesome. So look forward to that. A really rad weekend. But yeah, I beat Jay's. Uh, I beat the pants off Jay at Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Back to the hotel room. Went to bed. Um, next morning, we get up. We got up late because, of course, we did. We had been out the night before. And... Uh, I had a panel at 11 a.m. However, before that, there was some miscommunication as to when the vendor hall opened between our crew. We got there right when it was opening to VIPs and we got going and like that worked out well, to be honest. Like we we pulled it together. We always do. Um, Sunday was slower, but, you know, that's how conventions go. And uh, but it was a good time. And I'm trying to think of anything memorable that happened on Sunday. Um, I bought some more things from the booth across of us, across from us. I believe their name was Nine Lives or Nine Lives Gaming. They had a lot of cool import stuff, um, as well as a Super Famicom TV, which I have one behind me over here somewhere. 
Um, but I have the big one. So that came in two sizes, a 14 and a 19 inch. They had the 14 inch and I really, really wanted it. So I had also bought some other things from them, like a Pokemon Pikachu Game Boy printer and uh, a couple other games. But I was working on a deal because when I was talking to Retro Rick, it came up and he's like, oh, I'm about to buy that TV. I'm going to make a video on it. And I was like, look, how about this? You buy the TV and I will trade over value for the TV if I can take the TV home. And we were kind of talking about it, trying to figure it out. In the five minutes we were talking about it, Rick goes over to work the deal. He puts his hand on the TV and someone goes, no, 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 Retro Rick. That's for my son or something to that effect. And uh, somebody else bought the TV. So RIP Joe's chance at the small Super Famicom TV. Guess I'm just going to have to import one. I'll hit up my connect in Japan and hope for the best. Um, did some more trading with Mark on some import games. I bought a copy of Elemental Master from Retro Rick. Uh, we had a little bit of credit with him because he got a sealed expansion pack from us. And I put that towards it and blah, 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 blah. Um, Dave and Ryan helped out behind the booth again, slinging some games. And I think the real juicy thing on Sunday was I ended up going to the chocolate booth that I mentioned earlier that had the high-end games. And we made a deal. I traded Crusader Ascenti, complete in box, Bust a Move 99 on the N64, and Bust a Move 2 on the N64. One was complete, one was missing manual. I can't remember which. Um, but it came out to about fourteen fifty in trade value, and I traded towards CIB Pokemon Sapphire, CIB Pokemon Fire Red, Power Blade One, a CIB Mario Kart on Super Nintendo, and a copy of Zombie Nation on the NES. So, for those unfamiliar, Zombie Nation is a brutally hard extremely weird shooter on the NES. And, um, I had a mint copy that I sold about seven years ago now to help fund opening the store or help pay some bills or something. I can't remember. There was a reason I sold it. And ever since then, yes, Ryan in the chat says Z and Joe's hidden love. It is my hidden love. Uh, it's the perfect combination of things for me as far as a game goes. Weird, tough shooter. And um, I've wanted it back, and I've flirted with the idea of getting it back a couple times. There's been some offers on the table, but they haven't felt right, or they just haven't gone the way that I wanted them to. The opportunity arose this time, and I was getting rid of a cool piece. So this is something to remember in trading. If you are trying to acquire a good piece... Trade good stuff towards it. Don't trade garbage. Um, don't try and trade 37 copies of Madden for, you know, Snow Bros on NES. Be fair. Um, which, actually, I'll get to another Sunday trade after this. So, we traded. I reacquired Zombie Nation, which I'm super happy about. Label is crispy, like super nice. Um, and it's finally back in my collection. 
Now the only thing I need to reacquire is uh, probably Panic Restaurant. That's the other one where I'm like, oh, I want that. I kind of want another Caltron 6-in-1. But I don't know if I want one that bad. So on the subject of trades, I come back to the booth and Dave was chatting with John Houston. Um, awesome dude. Super nice. We had a copy of Valkyrie Profile on the PS1 that he really wanted. Apparently, he's been after the game for a while in good condition. We had a really nice copy. Um, and he's like, are you open to trades? I'm like, yeah. But the thing is, is, like, just like I said before, I want good stuff for good stuff. Like, I will trade close to value if you give me some good stuff or some like solid shop stock that we can move. And uh, he's like, I got you. He ran back to his house. He comes back with like the raddest stack of GBA RPGs. It was like uh, Lufia, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem Sacred Stones, a Zoids game that is extremely pricey right now, and then an Atlas game that I cannot pronounce to save my life. Uh, it starts with a Y. It's like Y-G-D-A-R-R-A or something like that. Um, traded that plus copy of Mario 64 and Donkey Kong 64 toward, I think it was all that plus 20 bucks. Or maybe it was just all that for Valkyrie profile. And that was like one of the most awesome trades we made all weekend because it felt so fair on all sides, just like the chocolate trade. Um, and I was like, man, these are the type of trades that I want to make at Retropalooza. These are also the type of trades I want to make in the shop. You acquire a piece as the person wanting something that we have as a store by trading us some games that you may have already played that you don't really care about in your collection, but you know other people are going to enjoy. And it's less about a monetary aspect at that, at that point where while the monetary thing is still you know, taken into consideration because you want to be value for value, um, there's still some flex room. So if you trade some good stuff, then and you're getting good stuff in return, nobody can complain. And at the end of the day, we just want everybody to leave smiling. So that felt super solid. Um, it was a great trade. John, shout out to you. You're a pleasure to deal with and, uh, you have great tasting games. So if we rewind a little bit, uh, I'm looking at my show notes here and I forgot I mentioned it. I did a panel. And technically, AC, um, I believe his store name is Rare and Retro Games or Retro and Rare Games. If you go to our YouTube video, the panel is live. Uh, shout out to Jose on the Retropalooza team. He does AV. He did a phenomenal job capturing the audio and video for us and then letting me have it so we could upload it. Um, but if you go check out the video on our YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash radjunk. I uploaded the panel in its entirety. I tagged AC. Um, Caleb Phoenix Resale was there moderating for us. And then Greg from Culture Shock joined us as well. And it was a, a panel on owning a game store. And Caleb asked really good questions um, to get us going. And we just, I mean, it was a good panel. It was solid. I wish there had been a few more people in there. We did some game giveaways in the panel, which was great. We took some uh, audience questions from Retro Bash 
And another gentleman, I want to say your name is Keith, but it is escaping me right now because we had also done a trade on trade night. And uh, go check that out. If you're curious about what the panel was like or how um, how owning a game store goes, that's on the YouTube channel right now. So that's a good one to check out. Uh, we usually do a panel at Really Rad Weekend every year just because I feel like it's a good thing to do. And it was an honor to be able to do one at Retropalooza. So if you weren't there and you didn't make the panel, it is uh, there in its entirety, and it's a good time. Hello, the Dave in the Twitch chat. Uh, we're recording for the podcast, so Twitch chat is taking a back seat today, but I see you all. Um, yeah, panel went good. Sunday was smooth. It was slower, like I said. Uh, but overall, it was a good time. Uh, one thing that happened is Rick was doing a giveaway on Saturday where he was hiding golden tickets and like blowout games. He was selling for a dollar. Um, Miguel, a buddy of mine that I've met at previous retro paloozas ended up buying several hundred games from Rick and he couldn't fit them in his car. And he asked me if I could help him out. We made a deal. The girls were pissed because I bought a bunch of games that were super low end, like, um, not great titles. I won't lie. Uh, but we bought them all. And we created a blowout bin where it was like 25 cents a game. And then I ended up selling them all to my friend Greg because he's opening another store. He needs some bulk filler. So that was cool. That was a, a definite, definite like fun highlight. Um, let's see. What else? I'm trying to think if anything of importance happened on Sunday. So... One thing that I do when I go to Retropalooza, because Jay is a good friend of mine, and I love his staff and his crew, I always help break down. Because I won't lie, when you're at a convention or putting on a convention or an event, one of the toughest things is like trying to clear out of that space. Because you have to pack it up, um, you have to be out of there then, and especially when you bring 35 arcade cabinets or however many Jay brought, it's kind of a pain in the ass. So, um, we kind of lagged behind, we helped break down all their pipe and drape and their tables and all that. And then we moved arcade cabinets, which my God, I've moved hundreds of arcade cabinets at this point. When you're at the end of a convention and you're moving some stuff onto box trucks with the worst dolly in the world, it was terrible. Um, and I know the girls were exhausted. Sam flew out at like four o'clock. She had to catch a flight back home. And then, so it was me, Dave, Molly and Allie for the rest of the Florida crew, plus Ryan and his girlfriend. And, um, we packed the truck and then Dave and I helped break down retro Palooza and moving those arcade cabinets was like killing me. Like I said, I've done this for a long time now as far as moving cabinets. Jay has this like Sega showcase cab. It's almost like a net city that's like on steroids, like taller and extended. That thing weighs way too much. Um, we also worked a deal on an arcade cabinet that I could take home. However, I couldn't bring it home this time. Uh, I'll leave that as a secret and maybe we'll film a video on it. Um, but once again, the entire time, I did not film anything, and I should have. So, we get it all packed up. 
Um, the girls are exhausted. Want to treat everybody to dinner. So we tried to find some places to eat that weren't closed because Sunday it's tough. Uh, we found a chain restaurant or a franchise that's starting to expand some from the West Coast called Lazy Dog. Super good. It's almost like a how to describe it almost like a bj's if you've ever been to that but more hipster <laughs> which was funny um so we ate we went back to the hotel um some of the staff from the retro palooza crew met us at the hotel yeah applebee's on crack is a good way to explain it um and then we just we stayed up drinking beer and talking shit about conventions and talking about really rad weekend. So, um, and then we drove home the following morning after we dropped Dave off at the airport. It felt like it took two days to get home. It was the longest damn drive. Um, God bless Molly for driving part of the way. It was uh, a savior, but that drive was like exceptionally tough. And I mean, we got to stop at Bucky Bucky's, which was good. Um, their Philly cheesesteak burrito is top-notch. Uh, we drank a whole lot of Monster this weekend, a whole lot of Liquid Death. And it was, you know, it was balls to the wall the whole time. And then Tuesday, we went up to the shop. Or, yeah, Tuesday, we went to the shop in the morning and unloaded everything and got everything back on track. So, overall, Retropalooza, phenomenal. We did some good trades. Um we got to see our Texas counterparts, which is always a good time because it's literally just being like at home, just in a different place with different food, which is a good change of pace. Um, shout out to Jay and Jennifer and his, their entire crew. Um, their workhorse, Tim, Jay's brother. He's a machine. I've never seen a guy move arcade cabinets like him. Uh, Greg, AC Kingsley, Billy Mac, retro Rick, uh, Whoever else, if I'm forgetting you, my brain is fried, and I'm sorry. Uh, George, G to the next level, Sega Steve, all you guys in Texas, thank you for the hospitality, and thank you for making everything a good show. Mike, Retro Bash, um, and his buddy Adrian. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, and we've been going to Retro Palooza for years, and we will always go to Retro Palooza, both Houston and Arlington, um, which the... Location for the Arlington one is moving next year. However, I believe tickets are on sale now. We've already acquired our vendor booths, so we will be back. And uh, just thank you guys. And we'll see you at a really rad weekend, November 11th and 12th. I know a lot of them are going to come in just to hang out. I know they need a vacation, which is cool. But yeah, Retropalooza was a blast, just like it always is. And I've got a recap video. It's not a long one, but it kind of goes over all the stuff we acquired while we were in uh, Dallas and I'll probably edit that tomorrow or later tonight and get that on the internet uh, next week. So that was cool. Um, can't wait to go back. So in between all of this took some Q and a or asked for some questions. I kind of filtered out all of the ridiculous questions like what is wrong with me? Because we all know that there's so much wrong with me. We can't cover it in one hour. So uh, I picked a couple here that I think are pretty good, that are solid. That uh, that was the best question. That was the best question. 
Because there is no answer. There's nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with all of you? Um, the first one comes from Sammy at Pokey Charles. I believe this one was from him. I had d- forgot to put the names next to the questions. So forgive me. Um, do you still get surprised to find games or variants of games you've never heard of? <sighs> this is a tough one because yes and no. So finding games, if we're talking about like explicitly finding games, like in the physical, whatever. Yes. Uh, I get surprised all the time unless it comes to certain systems then I'm not surprised. I'm like, why does this exist? And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of variants. I discuss a lot of variants with my friends and a lot of like crazy stuff. However, one weird thing is things. Let me see how to phrase this correctly. It's interesting seeing people discover things now that were discovered long ago, like the MK three jewel case variant. We've known about that for several years. Um, but then all of a sudden you see new people popping up. Does anybody have one of these? And we're like, no, of course not. They don't have that. Like what, what are you talking about? Um, it's weird seeing like what we call two year olds (laughs) talk about things that were talked about like five to 10 years ago as if they're new. And I don't know, that's not even like an arrogant or elitist thing of me, me trying to be that way to say it. However, it's just interesting seeing the way that things come into popularity and then get talked about because it's very obvious sometimes when newer people to the scene have gone back and watched older videos or they've gone down the information rabbit hole to sort of discover things that were bleeding edge discoveries back in the day. And so that's an interesting thing. Um, When it comes to discovering like specific, like additions of games, there are interesting variants. A good example, which, I knew this existed, but I didn't know why it existed until today. So we got a copy of Naughty Bear on PS3. And I've only really seen the yellow cover variant, which has like some pack-in episodes or something. Um, But there's one that's just a black cover that doesn't have the additional content. And the one with the yellow cover is more valuable. I believe it's like a $40 game and more sought after than the other one. So little things like that... um, or weird variations in cover art and things of that nature. That's always surprising. So it does happen and I do get surprised. Um, however, I think I'm a little desensitized to it now. So it might be like a, a softened surprise where you're just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's neat. Um, cool. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, uh, it's me being jaded. Is really what it is. Um, So yeah, hope that answers your question. The next question, which I don't remember who asked this. um, It is, are there any games that you have sold that have come back to you like more than once? 
so ah okay mike asked this retro bash did so shout out to mike check out his youtube channel retro bash um there are definitely games that i know that copy of Cinti that i traded away this weekend that's a good example of one that is kind of like floated around our circle so i had bought a copy of Cinti like five years ago maybe six years ago now. So, so originally the box said, okay, I don't remember exactly how this played out. I bought a CIB copy of Cinti. I gave my box to Dylan as a Christmas gift. This when the game was like 400 bucks, 450. Um, I gave the box to Dylan as a Christmas gift I gave the cart to Todd and then I traded Dave the manual for something. Then Dave pieced together a box and a cart and built a complete copy, which then sold to one of our customers up here while he was on a trip to Tampa. His name's Mark. Mark then traded the game to me. I believe the game almost went back to Dave However, we took it to Retropalooza and I traded it away. So that one's come full circle like twice in a weird loop. Um, But in general, a lot of times it's interesting. We'll see games get traded in. Like today we took in a PS3 lot that'll have like a Goodwill sticker and then a Radjunk sticker. But it's like one of our original stickers that's kind of like squarish. But then it'll have another Radjunk sticker over it, like a circle. And then another circle sticker. So that means that it was picked up somewhere at a thrift store, traded in or bought by us, sold to somebody, brought back and repriced, sold, brought back and repriced again, which it it will be subsequently resold again. So uh, it's kind of weird seeing that historical tracking as far as like the depth of the stickers go. It's kind of like the rings in a tree when you cut a tree down. You can see how old the tree is. So there's definitely a factor of that. I feel like there was something I was talking about the other day, though, where there was a game that it wasn't Cinti, but another one that was like, this damn thing keeps coming back. to. Oh, I know exactly what it was. There's a Game Boy Color floating around that's, I don't think it's IPS modded, but it's got a shell swap. It's like a Mewtwo shell. Um... Or maybe it was one of the other ones. But basically, it's like a custom shell. We've sold that damn thing like four times. And then the person will trade it in. And then we sell it again. The person will trade it in. We sell it again. I think finally Greg got it and sold it to somebody last trade night. So hopefully it's gone. I don't want to see that Game Boy Color anymore ever again. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like that where it's like you'll trade something. Especially, I'm sure there's been plenty of times with my friends, whether it's Ryan or Dave or Devin or somebody where it's like, all right, I traded you this stupid game. that's obscure. And then they're like, Oh, let me trade it back. Cause I want this. Um, I feel like it's probably happened with, uh, Neo Geo pocket color games a lot. So yeah, I mean that definitely happens. It's cool when you can track it cause you can kind of see the history behind it. And I love that, but that's a great question. Um, now I'm going to be more cognizant of things like going out and coming back in, which will be 
Just another thing to worry about. So we're hitting the one hour mark. Um, I won't lie. I'm super tired. It's been a long day trying to think of things coming up. So Sunday we have our Mortal Kombat one tournament at rad bar signups start at two and end at three. And then we get into the full swing of things. Our tournaments are pretty casual, so it's included in your entry price. So come play some Mortal Kombat and uh, maybe win some money. We've got a $200 pot. Uh, trade night is in, what, two weeks, which will be cool. That's our monthly trade event at the store. You all know what it is. Um, and then the next thing that I am doing is I'm going to Las Vegas for a vacation at the end of October. Thank God. Um, going to be gone for the weekend. Won't be a long vacation. Then the week after that, we have Halloween at the bar. The night of our Halloween event, I have to drive to Orlando because we're going to mystery meet six, which is my friend's car show extravaganza. It is like the car show to end all car shows. Um, it's my buddy that owns sorcery and V2 labs. Uh, we'll be down there vending. I'm going to tow the van down there to sell some merch, which will be cool. Um, some of my car friends are going with me. And then after that, it is really rad weekend. We are that close. We are two months away, not even two months away, month and a half away. It's really crunch time. Um, I need to buy some plane tickets. So... Uh, really rad weekend is November 11th and 12th. We are almost out of VIP passes. So if you haven't purchased your tickets yet and you want a VIP pass, which gets you free entry into rad bar all weekend, um, gets you some swag and a couple other things. Uh, I can't remember the details off the top of my head. Sam put those packages together. Um, and you want to buy those tickets. I think we have like a handful left. Uh, those are good tickets to have especially if you're looking to party and hang out at the bar afterwards. So that's cool. I think we acquired a couple more guests while we were in Texas, um, which is cool. 8-Bit Eric will be here. There are some rumblings of potentially Pat the NES Punk, um, which one thing we picked up at Retropalooza that I got from Pat is uh, we got several copies of his SNES guidebook which if you haven't seen his books, they are super thick hardcover books that are guides to whatever system the book is being written about. And they've got great information. It's a good reference point. Uh, if you need to quickly look something up in like the store or a store setting, or even at your desk where you're like, what is space mega force? And you'd be like, Oh, it's a shooter that got four out of five stars or whatever. Um, and he signed every copy of that. So if you want a copy of those, uh, they're available at Rad Junk. I believe they're $60 MSRP. Um, and they're super cool books. I also picked up several copies of 8-Bit Eric's book about his wrestling career, which are really neat. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, really rad weekend's coming up. Guest list is looking solid. Uh, we, we're planning some events. We worked on tournament stuff today. And uh, we're in full swing, guys. We are approaching quickly. And... I love that convention, but also it is like mentally taxing and you're just like, Oh man, what are we doing? Um, but it'll be a good time. And, uh, the Tampa guys are going to come up as usual. It's a big party. So November 11th and 12th, 
Um, I think that's gonna about do it for us. I'm going to go set up these PlayStation fives and install mortal Kombat, and, uh, get this episode uploaded after the fact. Once again, thank you for joining us. This is the rad junk podcast. I'm Joe Alonzo, your host as always. And, uh, we'll catch you next week. I'm going to return to our normal recording schedule this coming week. So you almost get like a two for episode or two for week where I will be recording on Thursday nights. I'm going to aim for about nine 30 or 10 o'clock, give or take some time, depending on when my kid goes to sleep. So Twitch chat. Thank you, Ryan, the Dave rich, uh, the 24, give them all follows on Twitch. And then, uh, for everybody that listens to this after the fact, thank you for subscribing, share with your friends. If you have questions, shoot them to info at with questions in the comments or hit me up on Twitter at Joe Alonzo or um, on Blue Sky or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And uh, everybody, have a good night, have a great weekend, and stay rad.